0: D20 Radio, your gamer's role.
1: www.d20radio.com. Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience.
0: Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. We are back at it with Cyberpunk Red. First off, we do need to make a shout-out, and who are we shouting out this week, Steve?
2: Hmm,
1: did we do Story Told? I don't think we have. Okay, well then let's do Story Told. So the story told is it's kind of a multi-RPG podcast, kind of like what we are, but they do some actual play as well. They do, uh, I think, most of their actual plays are uh, exalted, and they do tend to focus more on narrative games, which is cool. Uh, Logan, I believe, is the main host along with Griffin, Griffin, and then Chaz is there sometimes. I think he primarily runs the actual plays. But they're a pretty cool little community. Yeah, I'm on their Discord because I'm a Discordaholic, but there's yeah, nice people. Yeah, I've, I've, I've listened to a few episodes of theirs and I really enjoy their style.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Good people. And with that, we're back into it. So welcome back gamer nation. Let's get into net running.
1: Oh yes. Net running the bane of anyone who ever tried to run CP 2020.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the only person that understood that was Mike Pondsmith. Like, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> my brain is not wired good enough to understand net running in that game. I've, I've joked before when I was doing programming in college that I would get a bunch of my programming nerd friends and just, that's how I was going to do net running. Just make them write code that does the thing.
1: (laughs) Oh my. Yeah. 2020. It was, I read it several times and while I kind of like sort of understood it, it was like, it really was a big separate mini game and then add into that that your net runner didn't have to be on site and so it was like one of those things well okay we're going to do the net running scene everybody else um go get pizza and go to a movie and we should be done by the time you come back maybe eventually <laughs> you know the new version i've read it a couple of times and i'm not going to claim that i fully understand it yet but i understand the principles and there's some very good examples that make it a lot easier to grasp in red. I appreciate that. I really do. Yes. Well, and there's there's good charts and stuff to build it. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I don't know how much of it you remember, whatever from 2020. But in 2020, it was very much, almost like a minesweeper. In fact, I've actually various Facebook groups and whatever. I I've heard of cyberpunk GMs that did net running via calling up minesweeper on their phone and handing it to the net runner.
0: I remember seeing the diagrams of what it was supposed to be. And I also remember me being like, uh, uh, as I looked <laughs> at it. So how have they changed it in red? Cause I didn't really get a chance to read over now.
1: Well, you still have to jack in, so to speak, right? right? And it's still something you have to have the interface skill to do. However, it works a little different because the first thing that you have to do is you have to connect, right? Well, and they did it through the story by saying that, you know, when Rashi Bartmoss blew up the net as it was, it made all the companies everything paranoid. And so basically, most of your actual good internet stuff is all on, effectively like lands. So your net runner, now has to go, yeah, they have to be within six meters or yards of an access point. So your net runner has to go on site with you. So now your net runner isn't sitting back in wherever it is that he lives on his recliner just waiting. Well, that's nice because I think from a narrative standpoint, from with
0: coming from the guy who's taking the narrative, From a narrative standpoint, that's really nice because that forces that play well, not forces, but makes that player involved in the situation. Because net running up to the point at which the player's jacked in has always been boring for the net runner. And then it was boring for the players at the table once that player was jacked in. Right. So now you're adding that little bit of hey, you gotta come along with us. You gotta be here in order to get in. And that gives it a nice just a nice flow and and gives that player something to
1: do at this point. Well, the other thing it also does is it forces your net runner to spend some points on something other than his net running stuff. Right. It forces them to be, you know, a decent character. Right. The other thing, and I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but the, another thing they added is you can now multi-class in Cyberpunk Red. So you could have, your techie could also be a net runner. Now you can't do that right off the bat at character creation but you can do it fairly soon thereafter right i like the way that it it's more integrated into the rest of the team yeah because netrunners if you didn't have somebody at the table that
0: was playing a netrunner netrunners often felt like this is probably just better to have as an npc and just somebody that they'll hire on that way there's less players at the table not doing it or being bored exactly exactly so by having them come along, it it definitely makes it makes them more involved. It makes it less likely to be an NPC because it forces your hand as the GM
1: to actually, you would actually have to role play the situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what what they've kind of done now is the way that that jacking in works, is opposed to in 2020, where you you so to speak kind of went into the matrix, if you will. In red, you put on your we'll call them VR goggles, but they aren't like full VR. They allow you to see like a net overlay. Now you still can go in the old way, but if you do, you're completely unaware of the meat world while you're doing this. Whereas if you have the goggles, the way I'm, I've am i read it and what I understand it is it's kind of like a combination cross between an elevator shaft. And you know how they had did the, um, the, the one that I remember it in, is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series where they had the holographic computer things where, you know, the thing pops up and they're clicking and swiping and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Cross that with like an elevator shaft to get deeper into the network. So it almost
0: sounds like, and I'm just going to say this, it almost sounds like they took the visuals or the idea for net running in the visual representation from the movie Hackers. In the movie Hackers, the data was essentially like these large towers where you would go in and access things. It's it's a really, if you look up hacking in Hackers, you know, when they're hacking the Gibson, if you look that up, you'll see sort of a, a visual representation of what that is. And it as you were describing that, I'm like, OK, so yeah, that sort of seems like an inverse of what they did in Hackers, because in Hackers, it was like these large. Column towers rather than it being an elevator
1: shaft, okay. well, think of it. I believe I've seen hackers, but it's been years. But think of it as you jack in on the ground level, and then you go, they talk about going down. but yeah, I mean, if you wanted to flip it, you could either you know go up or down. But yeah, the way it works now, like, okay, you have to get to within six yards or meters, whichever you want to use, of the access point, and then you have to go in. Well, once you go in, then you get to use your interface abilities. And, you know, those use your net actions. Now, let's say you're in, but someone comes around the corner on your net runner. He can, instead of taking a net action, can elect to take a meat action and just shoot at the guy. Nice. Depending on what's going on in the net, you know, like that doesn't pause the net, depending on the black ice or the hostile programs or another net runner that's messing with them. Right. Which, you know, and it goes through. There's a lot of different, different abilities in, in the net. There's scanning, there's backdoor, there's cloaking. Um, you can attempt to control things, you can identify things, you can try and, and reveal somewhat of like a data map to the thing. And it goes through and it tells you what roles to make appropriately. And then once you have gotten to, now this again, this is calling it the lowest level of the net architecture or the elevator shaft and they do actually give it the example as an elevator shaft in the book, once you get all the way to the bottom, then you can implant a virus to do various things. But until you get to the bottom, you can't. And it does say that, like, the the shaft you're in could branch. And so let's say you take the right branch, and that is isn't the one that goes all the way to the bottom. So then you'd have to come back up, go back down. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it goes through, and then... um. You have to be at the bottom to zap as well. Mm-hmm. No, zapping is zapping is fighting an enemy net, a net runner or program, right? Right. But you don't have to get to the bottom for that. I don't believe. Okay.
0: The other reason I assumed that was because it's literally. Well, I guess maybe it's alphabet. Okay, I'm just goofy. No, no problem. It was the last thing listed on the list of things you can do as a net runner.
1: Then <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh. Do you have to do this? No. Okay. But yeah, like it's lined out in a much more logical. And I think part of what they've done is because they made it into, so to speak, an elevator shaft, it's now more of a two dimensional thing as opposed to three dimensional, which is where like to a certain point, you know, it's a path now where it was this big open thing where you could go over here or over there and you could go around something You know, we're now the path goes this way and whatever's in the way is in the way, which also to me, at least makes sense. If you're designing the net architecture from a defensive perspective, why the hell would you want to design something where someone could just walk around your nasty little trap?
0: That, that does make sense. I do like the, the practical change of them make, again, I know we talked about this already, but them making it to where you have to be be on site to get in at it that makes sense because that is a lot of networking's changed a lot and it makes sense in world why they would do that especially as, as you talked about bart mosh had changed, had blown up the net not just that there's been a lot of changes as far as after coming out of the fourth corporate war it's, there's been a lot of a lot of security
1: and how things are done Okay, yeah, it it's still a mini game. There's no way around that. It is, and it it kind of has to be if you want it at the kind of technical level that Cyberpunk has always operated at. Right. But I think this version of it is easier to understand and it is much much more defined. And there's nothing wrong with a mini game
0: sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's not a bad thing. It was just such a daunting task in 2020 that the ability to do it in red and it actually making sense and being fairly clear at what you're doing.
1: That's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, but like when you get to like page 209, a step-by-step creation process for building a net architecture for your players to go through.
0: Right. And I did see that that was specifically written for the GM.
1: Yeah. Where like, I know there was a bit in 2020 for that, but it was more like, yeah, here's a, take a piece of grid paper and just put some stuff on it. Pretty much where this is, is much more, much more defined. Yes. It's, it's linear. It just seems like, you know, I don't think I'm by any stretch dumb, but the net running in 2020 was very hard to grasp. And based on what I've seen, be it on Facebook groups or, or other internet chat, I'm not the only one who had trouble with it. You know, like you said, you know, it's pretty confident. That the only person who really, really understood it was Mike Pondsmith. And that's because he wrote it.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I mean, there, I'm sure there's people out there that get the net running. I'm sure that it made sense to you, but I know that the general consensus with 2020 was the net running. Just throw it away. I will
1: say, though, what I did grasp reading through this is that net running is dangerous. Oh, it should be very dangerous i appreciate that that's nice you know it's not easy it's it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be it's it's real easy to get
0: foobard in the net good and black ice has become way more prevalent and that kind of thing in 2020 was sort of having to be house rule and now it's just sort of like yeah this exists deal with it
1: yeah and I think, you know, again, the one thing I will say, if you will, to defend the net running in 2020 was that that was written in the late 80s. The internet yeah. as we, okay, in 1989, I would have been 13. You know, we were still using a, a oh, what the heck was the, the Texas instrument computer that had the, like Atari cartridge and hooked up to a regular TV. That was the computers we had at my school. I think we had an Apple GS at home which at the time was pretty darn high end. And the internet as we know it now just wasn't. So, you know, he was, so to speak, he had to not only make up what to do, but he had to make up the how as well. Right.
0: And I understand completely. I'm not, I rag on the net running for 2020 because it was confusing, but I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not by any stretch just upset or angry about how the network running was it's just sort of a a general statement of nobody gets the net running in 2020
1: yeah and like i said i think this it's still going to be a mini game it's still complicated i don't think that you can come to cyberpunk as the artelsorian franchise and expect something that isn't somewhat complicated the skill system the combat system has been streamlined a bit and the net running has been streamlined a lot, but it's still, it is still a very crunchy element. Right. It's going to take some time as a GM and as a player too, to understand this and be able to play it smoothly. But I like what they've done to it. They've made it a lot more
0: accessible. Well, that's good. I think that satisfies a lot of what I was really concerned about with running because it was unaccessible. It was, Dante, to say the least. Yeah. Now that it, now that you're saying that it's accessible and seems like it could be figured out, that's pretty awesome.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing with it is they've included a lot more understandable instructions to build a net architecture, and they've also actually there's a a neat little section about like let's say at your cruise hideout that your net runner wants to build like a little private network for you to hide all your goodies and maybe run some some security stuff or whatever well there's a whole thing about how to do that you know it's called home security 2045 you know and it, and it goes through buying a net architecture and, and building it so not only does it give you instructions of how to build it as a target for your players but it also gives you instructions as how your players can build one of their own to defend themselves
0: good Yeah, no, that's a good step in the right direction as well, because that's another thing that was just sort of, I don't know, house rule it. (laughs) Like, yeah, I appreciate when I like house rules. I like to use house rules, but I appreciate when official material has taken the step in the direction to be like, we're going to give you rules for this because we understand that a lot of you were doing this anyways. So that's that's a really good. It seems like Cyberpunk Red has really has really done that a lot. There's been some stuff at least story-wise as well that it feels like, oh, well, this was assumed and it's been added to the story or this was assumed, this was how we did it anyways and it's been added to the gameplay. We were house ruling it this way and and they have added official rules so now this is how they want it done. Right. That's at least a good step because it's it's tough when you're when you're playing a game that's supposed to be this all-encompassing game and then you have to make up the rules yourself on how to do most
1: yeah well you know it is you know not to steal your thunder with the lore but it's a very very rich world and the richer you make the world the crazier stuff that's gonna come up unexpectedly I guess is the better way to say it.
0: Oh yeah. I'll say this as a defined world cyberpunk red has a better setting than Dungeons Dragons. Whether you like Cyberpunk, whether you like future stuff, you know, if you don't like that, that's fine. But acknowledge at the same time, you know, I'm not a big high fantasy person, but the lore and the storytelling and the world setting and actually setting up the world in Cyberpunk Red is better in just its core book than what a lot of books do. And so I really appreciate that. Like it's sort of like Call of Cthulhu, how Call of Cthulhu has a lot of lore. And a lot of history behind it. Cyberpunk
1: Red has sort of taken that in the right direction. Okay. So I know I didn't get as nuts and bolts on the net running as we did on a lot of the other stuff. But, you know, I how do I want to say this? Like I said, it's a complex subsystem. It is. It's not as obtuse as it used to be, but it's still not one read through. You know, I've read it two or three times. and And I kind of, like, I get it, but I don't have it at all committed to memory. And I guess you know that's that's about the best evaluation I can give you on it.
0: That's fair. I mean, like I said, everything everything you've said about net running so far has been. Here's the truth, folks. If you have more interest in net running, go
1: read the book. Go get it. It's thirty bucks. It's on drive through. It's a good book. Yeah. Now, as of well, and I was just looking today, the hardcover appears to be sold out unless you can find it somewhere at a local game store. As of it's currently January second. I'm sure Artel Sorian has more ordered, but like I said, as of the time of recording, if you see a copy at your local game store and you want this hardcover, buy it. Because I was looking today, I can't even find a listing on Amazon for the hardcover. So with that, we move on down the page. Yes. Next section is Trauma Team. Yeah.
0: Which is kind of a nice addition, because I remember
1: there being a little bit of Trauma Team stuff, but not a whole chapter. No, there wasn't a ton on it. It's mostly the same stuff, though. It does give the um, the crit charts, which are new. But um, aside from that, it's not. Trauma Team is still kind of a subscription service, if you will, You know, where <laughs> your character can pay so much a month. And if they get shot, Trauma Team shows up to pick them up, patch them up, and, and so on. And there's different tiers of it. But the crit charts are kind of what I like that are new to red. And this is where I think where, you know, we talked earlier about kind of liking the wound track and how the hit points made it feel a little less deadly. The crit chart brings the deadly back. (laughs) Yeah. And I did find the, um, I know I mentioned it last week. The added difficulty, if you want a cold shot to the head, I, is a plus eight. I found it in my notes, but don't ask me what page it was on. Dang, plus eight. That's a lot. Let me double check
0: that. I mean, if that's the case, that's fine. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that, but a plus eight is really
1: high. Anything that is not an aim shot is at the torso. An aim shot is a minus eight or a plus eight to your difficulty, however you want to think of it. But- on headshots, you know any damage that gets through is still doubled. Fair. But the way they do crits now, and and the one thing that I don't, I think you have some of your at least your like your light melee weapons are one die damage, so they aren't ever going to crit. But the way it works now, you get a crit anytime you roll two dice that come up a six when you're rolling damage. So you're gonna crit, I would say reasonably often. Not a ton, but like looking at the crit chart, let's see, you got really only about four out of 12, and this is a 2d6 roll that aren't effectively losing a limb or something equally nasty. Nice. So, I mean, the deadly is still very much there. It's just not quite as apparent, I guess is the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's a trend in more modern games, though, too, is that it's just as deadly. It's just
1: not as blatant. Yeah. The other thing, though, I do like. And I don't know if you have this page up, but on the, the, uh, right side of this crit chart, it gives you the difficulty values for quick fix and cure treatment for all these critical injuries right there. So like that page, I would probably just print off or photocopy and put on my GM screen stuff just to know what the official GM screen looks. Like. Yeah. I don't know that that's out yet, actually. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's coming with, what's it going to be called? Black Chrome, the splat book that's supposed to be very shortly in the works? Possibly. Like I said, I'm I'm curious to know what the GM screen
0: looks like, because there's a lot of information that is tables, and it would be
1: really easy to just throw that onto a GM. Yeah. And I know the original 2020 GM screen had like a page and a half that was nothing but the net running programs. Right. You know, and then it goes into your death saves which work more or less like they did the old one. You try to roll under your body stat and there are penalties based on this, that, the other thing. And you know, once you're dead, you're dead. You know, there is no pass go. There is no collect $200. Which is identical to what it was the last time. Yes. Now your buddies can pick your body up and collect all sorts of money from the parts, but. (laughs) That Uh sounds like a dubs thing to do. (laughs) Oh, you died. oh, but well, that's wunderbar. I mean, terrible. I mean, wunderbar. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the trauma team, like we said, it's a subscription thing. Um, there's two levels. There's silver and executive. Silver is going to cost you 500 bucks a month. Executive is going to cost you a thousand. Payoffs again. Look, if you're going to buy the game, you know, we're not going to read it out here. We don't need anyone screaming at us for that. And then the other thing that I do like this too, it gives you a example trauma team. You know, the, the crew that shows up in the aerial vehicle to come pick up your body or whatever, it breaks them out in usable NPC stats. Again, just small chart, half page chart in the book. So you don't have to, as a GM, you don't have to have that made up and then spend five minutes finding, figuring out where the page that you wrote that all on is in your notes.
0: Yeah, that's welcome to why I like charts. Because <laughs> <laughs> as a GM, you don't have to have that all written out and then try and find it in your notes. No, you just go to the page in the book. You write down the page number and go chart here. Yep. So coming out of traumatine, unless you have more to talk about,
1: not really. I mean, there's some stuff about the different, you know, drugs that are on the street, but again, that stuff, it was in the original. It's still here. Has some stuff about the therapy and humanity loss, but that's detailed stuff that I don't think we need to cover.
0: Not necessary. And I'm, I'm sure I'm almost certain that you'll hear more cyberpunk from us in one form or another. Right. So coming out of trauma team, that is the last of the, uh, of the character
1: stuff. Yeah, that's the last of the real mechanical bits other than I think there's some economic stuff later in the book. So we're coming into Welcome to the Dark Future, which is probably
0: one of the best chapters in a role-playing game book I think I've ever seen. It is a lot like the 2020 version, where it talks about how did it get so bad, the rise of the free states, the new Rust Bowl, the plagues, War, techno shock. then it gets into the timeline, and up to 2020 the timeline has not changed after 2020 so they they describe a few things so the 2020 you have the carbon plague incident you also have the chicago rebuilding project beginning 2021 they start talking about the euro aqua corp and then you're into 2022 talking about Arasaka and militech start to spar and get into a little bit of a little bit of fun stuff talk about Rache bart then the fourth corporate war breaks out in 2022. Because basically there was a little bit of cold war happening between Arasaka and Militech, and there was a little bit of corporate espionage, but it couldn't hold any longer. Mm-hmm. And all of the fun things. The data crash virus, it infests 72 78.2% of the net. And it was it was basically set to destroy the net. The seven-hour war, which is the high riders declaring independence. That's some cool stuff there. 2023 total international trade breaks down the night city Holocaust on August 20th of 2023. And then 2023 is the beginning of the time of red. This is
1: after the nuclear blast happens in night city. Well, if I'm understanding what I've heard various places, right? The, the time of the red is actually because of the atmospheric effects of the fallout of the nuke. Right, it is.
0: And so the Night City Holocaust happens and then it's implied a couple months later that the time of the red starts happening because of the fallout from that. So debris from orbital rock strikes, conventional explosives and, and wartime burning and annihilation of cities and agricultural areas. It it becomes when we talked about post-apocalyptic stories and we talked about Cyberpunk 2020. Being a post-apocalyptic story, Cyberpunk Red is a post-apocalyptic story. Oh, uh, definitely, specifically if you're in Night City itself, it is it is a nightmare. Twenty twenty-five, the fourth corporate war ends, and then from twenty twenty-six to twenty thirty, a bit happens, but a, not as much. Arasaka breaks into three warring factions: so the Kiji or Green Pheasant faction, the Hato or Dove faction, and then The third one is the Taka or Hawk faction. That's important to note so you know where Arasaka is. Mm -hmm. Then from 2030 to 2035, resettlement of suburban Night City, establishing of Nomad High Roads. So Nomads now operate ports and container ships. Kind of cool. City Nets start. Local VPNs are established. Some fun stuff in 2035 that starts happening around Johnny Silverhand. And the start of Night City Reconstruction happens in 2035. 2035 to 2045, I'm not going to get into too much of that. That's some sort of political stuff. Night Watch attempts to clear out Rabbids. Pretty interesting. First mega buildings, which are kind of neat. And then 2045 is the present.
1: Right. And we have a nice quote from Lilia there. Yeah. I love those quotes all through the, you know, both this book and the older ones. Oh yeah. And then from there. I was going to say, and that what we just kind of went through, that's about five, six pages that is really just kind of like the cliff notes version. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about that is.
0: So I appreciated it in 2022. I appreciate it in this. It is so nice to just have a timeline of events. That breaks down either year by year or in groups of years. What happened and how we got here. Mm-hmm. Like a, from a player standpoint, if a game setting catches my eye and I just want to get it on the table and I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to read a bunch of lore. That's why I really like tables and such. Mm-hmm. And having the ability to read a timeline that lays it all out—that is just basically this is the gist of the story. That's super nice. Get a little bit of before the red. So talking about unified Europa, Russian revanchment, just talking about what the rest of the world Mm -hmm. looks like, Mm -hmm. which is something that we got in splat books, but we never got in the main book. Yeah, that's true. So it talks about America and how much of a nightmare America is. Well, yeah, is
1: and was and is. So, yeah, I mean, that takes it, what, all the way up to the Time of the Red, that's broken out to, what, another 15 or 20 pages, which is mostly just two-column text. Yeah, and then full breakdowns, like, there's full breakdowns of the Corporate
0: Wars. Mm-hmm. First Corporate War, Second Corporate War, Third Corporate War, Fourth Corporate War, which which is its own set of chapters. Fascinating, because you and me are both, like, well, we're both sort of Tom Clancy nuts. Mm-hmm. And Man, that Fourth Corporate War is so cool. It's such a good <laughs> read. You
1: need to read that. Yeah, I highly well, recommend it. It's on my list. <laughs> I do want to read all this stuff. I just I mean, this book is 450 pages and there's probably what a good 200 of that is pretty much just lore.
0: Yeah, and it it's a lot. The aftermath and and getting in. So now after that, now I'm down into the time of the red the aftermath of the fourth corporate war. Talking about the fragmented America, president press. What night city looks like at the moment. The Pacific Confederation, which is Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Northern California, and British Columbia, unified into their own into their own nation. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about the players in the game, which is the big picture. In forty-five, the world beyond talks about again, United Europe, neo-Soviet Russia, the Middle East, futurist Africa. Uh, Central and South America, Asia and the Far East, which is, I think, some of the most interesting stuff in the storytelling. Is not necessarily what's going on in Night City or in America at the time. It is unified Europe, Neo-Soviet Russia, the Middle East, Futurist Africa, Central and South America, Asia and the Far East. That is some of the most interesting stuff that is just so cool. Gets into... The Deep Down, which is talking about underwater. Basically, the corporations have expanded not only to space, but into the ocean as well. Mm -hmm. The High Rider Confederation, High Riders have become their own thing, which is kind of cool. If you don't know about High Riders, they're basically their colonies in Earth orbit. And that's really neat. Mm -hmm. High Riders have essentially gone, nah, we're, we're not dealing with any of this Earth stuff. Gets into the AI's uh, soul killed pseudo and intellects, which are a different AI, transcendental sentience, AI's T S AIs. getting into the Netwatch, which is basically the Netwatch is the cops of the net. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Talking about the new corporations, talking about how the new corporations are all
1: about teamwork, which is weird. Well, I was going to say this, this feels like a world you really can immerse yourself in. Oh, it's
0: so immersive. And then after all of that, and after getting into power shifts, all of that, then you get full breakdowns on the corporation, Arasaka,
1: Biotechnica, Continental Brands. Like, yeah, it's more than just oh okay this is the company that does this here's a name now it gives you some about half a page a piece probably they're a solid full page okay yeah because stuff like militech
0: has half a page of information on background and then gets into more background and then the face of militech yeah so it it's a solid page like it's not just half a page it's a solid page of information background so like Petrochem has background and then the face, and it gets into the faces of these companies. Rockland Augments, Sov Oil, which is just, it's just so, there's so much here. There's your trauma team if you wanted more information about them. Ziggurat talking about them. It gives this world such depth and such life that it is ridiculous. Yeah. For it being its own cyberpunk has a lot of inspiration from other things you know gibson novels philip k dick you know a little bit of 1984 and it has its own identity but it has all of these outside influences they have really taken steps to make cyberpunk red its own distinct entity when it comes to the story of this game they really have it is absolutely astounding you know, you're getting more into wel- Welcome to Night City, the moro Bay
1: Massacre. Can we stop for just a quick second? Yeah. The art piece on Welcome to Night City. Oh, yeah. It looks like a New York alley street from like Daredevil or Punisher mixed with Hong Kong. It is so cool. Yeah, that's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm not going to try and pronounce the artist's name because I'll butcher it. Oh yeah, no, me neither, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a really cool
0: piece. Oh, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous and it's dark and gritty and dirty and neon. It is everything cyberpunk.
1: Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And that is worth noting folks is that this is not a bright and shiny cyberpunk. Oh no, this is not, um, you know, Well, there is, let me
0: say this. If you want
1: a bright and shiny cyberpunk,
0: there is places you can go with that. Yes, because this game definitely allows you to take that in that direction. Because there are there are locations outside of let's say the immediate setting of cyberpunk, which is usually Night City. There are locations outside of Night City that are well maintained. Yeah,
1: I, I guess maybe a better way to say it is cyberpunk, the Artel and IP cyberpunk is not intended to be a heroic, you're you're screwed and you're fighting for everything and the best you can hope for is that you get next week covered in a lot of cases. It's, it's not really set up for you to be able to fix things.
0: No, the, the game itself is not meant to be, I don't mean to say it this way, but the game itself is not meant to be, your character is not going to change the world. Right. I mean, you can play that way, and there are things you could do like Johnny Silverhand is supposed to be like the self insert character and how all of that happens with Never Fade Away and then the sequel to that and how Night City falls and and that all happens that is sort of proof that you can tell a story with characters that are that are inserted into this world that is consequential to the world but it's it's just a really It excels when it's local and not trying to save the world.
1: Yeah, I I don't think the game was written with the intention of happy endings, so to speak.
0: No, I can understand. But there's a lot of games that aren't written with the intention of happy endings.
1: That's true, too. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'm just saying that if that's what you want out of gaming, it might not be the cyberpunk for you because that's not what it's designed for.
0: No, and there are other games out there that are Cyberpunk with happy ending. I mean, Shadowrun, Run i I haven't I don't have a lot of information on it, but it's my understanding that the world of Shadow Run isn't it's bleak, but it's not this bleak.
1: Not quite, no. There'll be more on that shortly. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and granted I need to get my hands on fragged cyberpunk, but I would imagine based off the little bit I've read about it, it's
1: bleak but not this bleak. Yeah. Well, it is the canonical prequel to Fragged Empire. So stuff is going down and this is how it went down, so to speak. Right. But even then, I don't know, I just
0: I from what I'm reading of it, I get the feeling that it's not stuff is going down and this is how it's going down. But it's not going down like cyberpunk
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because cyberpunk is the worst possible future. Yeah. And, and, and look, you know, Mike has said that in numerous interviews that look, you know, this isn't, this isn't what he thinks the world should become. It's a path that he didn't see. It's the right word that far fetched. Right. And it's not coming off the year we just had.
0: And it's going to say a little bit to it. The story of 2020, man, that some things were different, but there's not a lot that was different. Like
1: but there's what 30 pages or so of night city information
0: yeah, there's 30-ish plus pages of night city information.
1: you know, and there's maps and few charts, but there's just a lot of really solid info. it's a It's a well-created world, a well-created playground to play in. I just want to say talking about art,
0: uh, i'm on I'm on page two ninety four, and there are some construction robots, and every time I see the construction robots, I love it. <laughs> yeah, those are kind of neat. They are so cool. Yeah, it just they've shown up on other pages, but I love the construction robots. And the art is just so good because I could talk about the story and the story is phenomenal. It is hands down amazing story. But the art is just so evocative and it shows you both sides of the coin. Like if for every time it shows you one, so just to just if you're following along page 298, about four pages later, there's a picture inside what would be assumed to be somebody's home with like them playing in net space and like their kids there or a kid's there. And there's like a bodyguard, you know? Yeah. And then you go down a couple pages, you go down to to 302 and it's just this SWAT team with a robot dog. It's so cool, man. Yeah, it, it really is. You know what that looks like? That looks like a robo dog there, Steve.
1: <laughs>
0: still remember those yeah i remember <laughs> him playing with that dog trying to get it to do what he wanted
1: yeah and well, then you have some stuff too like the one the next page down yeah is very kind of like blade runnery yeah and it's it's you know just a city shot yeah they aren't all big art
0: pieces but no not all of them are huge but they're all very tone setting yeah and then if we get into some really cool stuff, just to skip ahead of a few things, get into some named characters. So it's listed as people of Night City, mm-hmm. power players, players in Night City, some medias, some execs, some fixers, techs, and, and the like. Basically, as a GM, these are characters that have full-fledged backstories that you can steal and use as NPCs. Mm-hmm which is super useful. Sometimes that can be a pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got all the gangs. All the gangs. The gangs are really neat. Gangs just, the gangs are so cool. And then you have the breakdown of like combat zones and the map of Night City. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. I like that map. Key places in and around Night City. This is a great one. And this is stuff that you don't realize you want until it's presented to you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, part of it, I guess, for me, I've always been one more to take, take the mechanics of the system and, and kind of do my own spin on the world. But I mean, if, if you want to take the time to learn it, there's so much here. And I'll say this, I'm the same way, but this published world is
0: so good that I'm tempted to actually run a game using a lot of this information. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because there's so much good information here. Like, we're on 315, and now we're getting into everyday life in the time of the red. That is something that this Cyberpunk doesn't. A lot of Cyberpunk doesn't do it. A lot of other games, like, again, if you held this core book against the Dungeons Master Guide and the Player Handbook for Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition, this has. A million times more information on the world and the proper setting than those books. Oh, far and away. And from a new GM standpoint, if you're looking for information on a world and you're stuck between, I like cyberpunk, but everybody plays Dungeons and Dragons, if you can get people to try cyberpunk and you want to be able to cheat and use straight out of the book information, go cyberpunk because there is so much stuff in here about the world and literally just living day to day has, let me actually count the pages because we're talking about 17 pages of just everyday life. Mm-hmm. That's when you start getting into some of your economic tables. There's one here that's just where's the nearest vendit. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And what can you find in it? Yeah. And there's a section on on common, you know, so to speak, everyday vehicles. Who's in the bodega? Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool little chart.
0: I like that table. I like that one a lot. I like that one as thinking of something for a new DM or GM. That's a fun table because that's a table you go, you roll, and you go, "Okay, now I know who's filling out as NPCs in this room." Yeah.
1: Well, and and then like, you know, if you think about shops like that, at least in my perception of them you know i've i've never lived in you know a really intense urban area but i would think most of those shops have those regulars that are in there a lot right you know i know that happens around here you have some of those little corner delis or whatever and there's the people that work there and then there's a couple people that seem to be there almost every time you stop by right exactly and then you start getting into literally the street economy which is so oh man Well, I I do know, and I've forgotten the gentleman's name now, but it's in the credits. One of the guys that they brought in to work on Red, and he did this section specifically, he actually has a degree in economics. Good. I'm glad. You know, which, yes, it is going to be a little more crunchy and simulationist, but it also is done with an eye to, again, to be functional in game terms and not just this costs this that costs that you know there's it's set up to be a, a functional economy for more than just the players
0: a little bit crunchy and crunchy and specialized is what cyberpunk does really well yes and not crunchy gameplay wise crunchy as in like story and cyberpunk red has really really flushed out a crunchy story it is it's
1: well it's kind of like what I, I, I've said this about 2020 and, and I feel it still applies to red and specifically this economic stuff. Is there crunch there? Yes. But you get something out of the crunch. It's not just crunch for realism. Once you use the crunch, you have something when you're done, not just, okay, so I did seven damage.
2: And
0: you don't feel it a lot of the time.
1: Yeah. And I think that's
0: one of the big things with, this is that you don't feel it. And then, towards the bottom of the economic stuff, you get into what you can purchase. And that is, I hope they put out Chromebooks. I really do.
1: The reports I heard is there is a Chromebook that should be out fairly soon. I believe it's supposed to be called Black Chrome or something like that. The reason
0: I say that is I know you're not a big fan of them, I don't think.
1: I'm a big fan of shopping. it's fun yeah i i like it but sometimes i don't i understand kind of like travis on critical role
0: (laughs) yeah no i just when i'm playing dress up with my cyberpunk doll i like to be able to go and shop in those chromebooks and this is really this is really hitting that there's a lot of shopping in this book as
1: well but it's done without it's not there's nine thousand pistols no
0: Everything's a little bit different,
1: yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't feel it it it's like here's the different pistols you can get, but in gameplay terms, they aren't different. So you can flavor it however you want, but it doesn't require you keeping track of eight thousand little things, yeah. we've we've talked about that a little
0: bit. I like it. i I like it, and I don't. It is what it is. Then we get into housing, all of the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you get into making money. Doing jobs and and how you make money in the world, and each class has their own hustle table. You know, how did you make bank this
1: week? Right now, if if I'm not mistaken though, and I heard this in an interview with the the aforementioned guy that did the this section, there's a thing where so to speak, you can pay for your lifestyle by the month as just a flat rate. But I haven't seen it. But it, it, again, it eliminates a ton of little fiddly bookkeeping.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was always one of the annoying things is fiddly bookkeeping but after 385 you have another like webpage so to speak a garden music so you mm-hmm. see uh ballad of buck ravers by samurai heave ho by Xerxes, friday night firefight by the rubicon not ashamed by maz despair it's kind <laughs> of cool i love the Giraffe 3 or the the graph 3
1: <laughs> it's so freaking doofy i, there's I love a it picture of that somewhere else in the book a bigger yeah picture.
0: there is there's There's a half a picture of it it's just the neck but the full image is so doofy you know danger girl which is i think that's a good addition because that's something that's a company mentioned in the corporate thing i
1: remember seeing that when we were scrolling through there yeah
0: they are and the aesthetic is very very modern very like early 2000 like cat girl like that type of aesthetic it's it's cool it's a good addition i like it um and then running cyberpunk which is probably the last that's going to be the last of the actual like mechanic stuff and and it's it's literally what it says it is how do you run the game
1: yeah and it goes into and i've, I've seen it it's a download on the Sorian site somewhere and i'll try to find it and link it in the show notes but mike did a thing before red even came out they called a, a beat sheet which was kind of a a structured way to kind of bullet point out your adventures and it goes into it in more detail here i noticed i didn't again i didn't read all the way through it but it's it's a very useful tool for running this game but you could obviously quite easily adapt it to running any other game yeah and
0: once you get through that and running cyberpunk once you get through that then it gets into playstyle based improvement mhm how you can run with players improving and what you can do and IP and
1: feels a lot more defined than the charts from 2020 because those were awkward. And then page 412 <laughs> bodyguard, pre-statted dude,
0: grab him and go. Yep. Booster ganger, pre-statted, grab him and go. Road ganger, ready to go. Security operate, operate, ready to go. Like just
1: There's about a dozen of them, I think. Yeah. Something that we could have really used for cyberpunk 2020, which was pre-statted bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, cyberpunk 2020 had the thing for making them up quick, but that didn't help you if you didn't think ahead to make them up quick. No. And the ability to just,
0: I need a cyber psycho here. Boom. There's your stats. Yep. Like, and then you get into encounters and talking about encounters, that stuff, page 418, Man, I love that art. I, yeah, I, I was just looking at that one. It's just this cool, like, military vehicles driving through mud and yeah, moron running cyberpunk. Well, it looks like there's, what, about 70 pages of that? Yeah. There's my graphy. <laughs> yep. He's so doofy. They're massive. They're just these big, dumb goofs. I love them. And then on page 426, you have your Night City Today news. Yeah. Your scream sheets like, uh, yeah. like we're in the back of the original. Yeah. Talks about a little bit, a little bit of what's going on and fun stuff with that. Yeah.
1: And that's a nice addition. And then there is a sample adventure. Yeah. And that's a pretty good adventure. Yeah. see. It's got a, it's got a net architecture already built. A couple of them actually. That looks like a fairly short adventure, but then there's, looks like another fiction piece basically.
0: Yeah, it is. It's another, it's, it's another fiction piece. We'll say it's on par with Never Fade Away. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Just a nice. I I, I do want to shout out though the Sanrio, the the little pistol that they advertise in the middle of that, the Sanrio Hello Cutie.
1: Oh yeah, that is pretty it's, good. It's
0: it's a it's a joke because the company that owns the company that owns Hello Kitty is named Sanrio. Okay. And so Sanrio Hello Kitty Hello Cutie is is like. Yeah, that's a fun little cutest pistol on the market. So adorable, doubly pink. Like, yeah, yeah that's great. That's, that's just a good one. Yeah, Black Dog, which is the story at the end here. And it's like I said, it's on par with Never Fade Away. Definitely looking forward to furthered adventures with those characters because that is a fun group of characters.
1: Yeah, it does look, look interesting. I got to sit down and read that, which hopefully I'll get a hardcover this soon because i I do find this PDF very useful, but they're still not as fun to, to read as...
0: No. And I, I appreciate, I will say this, in the sidebars of this, it breaks down the characters. So like Kepler and Numo, it breaks down characters like Damien and, and all of the characters in this story gives you a little bit of background on them. And one of my new favorite characters, which is Lilia. The rocker girl? yeah. I really dig that. I dig her aesthetic. I dig the character itself.
1: I love the, the, Oh, I forget what those are called, but the, the, the guitar keyboard thing, the guitar, Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like I, they're just so very like eighties, early nineties.
0: Yeah. I dig that aesthetic. And then you have at the end, you have your character sheet. Yep. And it, at least they put it at the end of the book. This time the last time they put a character sheet in, they put it like halfway through. That's what, about
1: three pages in landscape?
0: Yeah. And you know why they did that? So it's easily scanned.
1: Yeah, I I would like to see a little bit more printer friendly, but that's kind of a nitpick thing. But the red coloring on it does make it easier to read. Yeah.
0: And then you get into your index, get to an ad at the end of the book for the Cyberpunk Red Minis by Monster Fight, which look absolutely phenomenal. And I want to get my hands on a couple just to paint up. not that I'll ever play Cyberpunk Red with minis, because that's not how I play Cyberpunk, but...
1: And it's worth noting, too, I haven't, like, actually clicked them, but going through, the index appears to be fully hyperlinked, like, every single page number.
0: So nice.
1: All right, Steve, on a scale of one to perfect, how do you rate Cyberpunk Red? Um, if you want to go a five-point scale, it's at least four.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would give it a solid four and a half. I think there's some stuff they could really work on, but anything that we're going to sit here and say, oh, you need to work on this, it's nitpicking. Well, here's
1: the thing, and you've heard me say this about Riffs. It is a game that to take full advantage of it, you're going to have to dedicate quite a bit of time to it to really learn the lore and so forth. But I don't say that necessarily is a bad thing because it's not a thing where mechanically, you have to dedicate the time to understand the mechanics to run it. The mechanics are pretty simple, like we said at the beginning of the show. Now, the net running is a little bit complex, but it kind of has to be. It's not a a simple thing unless you really abstract it and make it not a gritty sci-fi type of thing, which is what this whole game is. So, I mean, I think it's really, really well done. I don't have a problem going to, to like a four and a half there are things that could be done better from certain ways. Like the layout in the book could be more impactful, but if you do it to make it more impactful, you start losing some of the utility in that it's actually a very easy to read book. So, like, it's, I think they do a good job of making a game that is useful and evocative, but not straying too much to either side, you know, like they, they right. stay right on the line pretty well. And I, I really feel that the book is very utilitarian and
0: super, super useful. That was one of the things that sort of shocked me when I opened it, because 2020, not that 2020 isn't very useful or utilitarian, this book is very much more words and art are separate.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where, like, my initial reaction when I just kind of scrolled through the PDF was I was a little bit, eh. But I think having gone through it and read it and and thinking about it from the perspective of using it, especially even just using the PDF, I like what they did. Yeah, I do too.
0: I like how useful that book is and thinking about not just reading it to read it, but reading it to use it at some point. I would have given any other game a little bit of a hard time if they would have presented me a book like that had it not. So you present me a book like that and it doesn't provide me with as much useful information per page as this book does, and I will give you a hard time. But this book utilizes its layout and its, its design in such a way that it gives you just information and information and information and information and it just does not relent
1: well but i think it does a good job of being dense without feeling dense
0: yeah it does make it digestible but you know i will warn you ahead of time anybody who's going to pick this book up don't expect to read it like you could probably read it in a weekend but don't expect to read it in a weekend and be able to completely understand it It's going to take some time. You're going to have to focus on the areas that, you know, you're going to have to read it, focus on stuff, take notes. It's it's a serious book. Yeah, it's not one to not one to play with. Like Morkborg is a book that you could read and play in five minutes. This book is not. And Cyberpunk has never been a game that you grab off the shelf and just throw it down on a table and and go, all right, I'm going to read this and then we're going to play later.
1: Well, I think the the basic mechanics of the game are quite easy to grasp, but to take advantage of everything that they've given you, you've got to work a little bit to get it.
0: I agree completely. But again, I really feel that a lot of the things that we're talking about are net positives. You know, again, that's why I gave it a four and a half. If you want to give it a four and a half or a four, whatever you're
1: giving it, but 4.35. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean if you if you want to be contrary that's but i i don't say that is a bad thing but you know what i mean you got to think we're rating this out of five yeah you're literally giving it
0: it's not perfect and there's not going to be a game that is but no. this one is very 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 close to being as perfect as you can get it really is.
1: yeah it does everything well Yes, would it be nicer if the net running was a little easier to understand? Eh, yes, but it's a whole lot better than the old version. And I like the updating of the game as a whole in the new edition.
0: Yeah, and the changes were welcome. Nothing that they changed was absolutely unwelcome.
1: Yeah, there's hit points now. And, and that's where I think on the surface, you see the hit points and you go, oh, it's not as deadly. But I mean, you look at those crit charts. Those are a bear. Yeah. This game is still deadly. There were
0: other games of its contemporary age that used hit points that were just as deadly as Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk just wanted to be a little bit more uh,
1: simulationist and use the wound track. And it it still is on the simulationist side of the scale by a good bit. Oh, yeah. But not to the point of absurd fiddliness. And it's a very welcome
0: change. It really is. And that's coming from someone I love Cyberpunk 2020. It is even though Cyberpunk Reds out, I will probably still be playing Cyberpunk 2020 when that's the game I want to play.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean look, I mean I just a week or two bought half a dozen of the old 2020 splat books off a friend that had extras of them.
0: Yeah. This is a great new game. It's a great update to 2020, and it's a great jumping on point for new players. You know,
1: one thing that I like and I don't think we mentioned this, you don't have to read 2020 Not to understand all. where this game is from. All the core lore from 2020 is in this book.
0: We didn't explicitly mention that, but we have talked about where, like when I was going through the timeline, I was like, okay, everything up
1: to 2020 is the same. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's still there. It's basically just copied out of the old book and put in this one. will never fade away. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: It's all still there. The lore stuff is still there from 2020, just with new stuff added. That's a welcome addition, and everything that was added is welcome. And it shows that they have great respect for 2020. They should. I mean, it's Mike Pondsmith, it's Artal Saurian. It is his baby. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that they do have a lot of respect for 2020. And that was one of the things that, I'll be honest, reading that Jumpstart kit, I was worried. I was like, I think they missed the forest through the trees and now reading the actual book and going through this book with you sort of page by page and and going over it. It is a great version of that game and will get table play for me.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: You know, just because I'm saying I'll still play 2020 does not mean that I'm saying red is bad by any stretch. I'll still play 2020 because 2020 has its own flavor and its own feel. That's different from Red.
1: Yeah, it's a little more 80s. Yeah,
0: that's it. Exactly.
1: This is very much a worthy and spiritual successor to 2020.
0: Yeah, this is more of a modern book. And 2020 is very 80s. And we've talked about it before, but I'm a big fan of that neo-futuristic. Like, what does the future look like from a view of, from the viewpoint of 1954? Yeah, re- retrofuturistic. Right, retrofuturistic is an aesthetic that I, I absolutely adore. No matter what era you're looking at the future from, and that's where I love Cyberpunk 2020 because it's a look at this past year through the lens of 1989.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's a thing. And I don't, you know, I, I, that sounds weird, but I don't know how to better say it.
0: And Cyberpunk Red is a look at 2045 through the lens of 2019, 2020. Yeah. We we recorded the first part before the new year. We're recording the second part after the new year. So we're here we are, 2021. Yep. Still talking about Cyberpunk Red. Deal with it. <laughs> it's a great book. It's going to get on my table sooner rather than later. If I have to find all new players, I will find people that will play this game straight up. Hey, I'm down. So we didn't do it last week because we did Cyberpunk straight up. Do You want to do a game of the week?
2: Game of the week. Game of the week.
1: And for me this week, I'm going for one. I found it today, and it it just looks really, really interesting. And I'm not even sure how to describe it, but it's called Alas Vegas, and I think it's built to run off tarot cards. But it, it's just. Like the author list on this, okay, I mean, you've got Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, who's worked on a lot of stuff with Robin Laws, Ken Haidt, Robin Laws, John Scott Tynes, just to name a few are the, the listed authors. But the basis of this is, it is a dark journey through a bizarre and terrifying casino city where sinister forces work for control and lives are worth no more than a handful of gambling chips. Caught in a struggle between rival factions, the players must find allies, the truth, and a way to escape. Memories are recovered, secrets are revealed, old debts are settled, and nothing is what it seems. And you actually start out... It's sort of an adventure in itself. You start out basically with a blank character sheet and gradually get memories back. It's designed to be a four-session kind of mini-campaign structured, to quote the listing, like a high-budget HBO miniseries. And then... In addition to the one that you get, you get three more extra campaigns to play, you know, using the same system. It's one called Yet Already, one called Warlock Kings, and one called Remembering Cosmic Man. And it's, you know, like I said, the writing credits, Robin Laws, Kenneth Height, you know, John Scott Tynes. Ooh, Dennis Detweiler did some art for it. And like I said, Gareth Ryder, Hanrahan. I mean, this is... I'm surprised I hadn't heard of this because it's actually listed as a staff pick by the people that drive through PDFs, 14 bucks. You can get a PDF plus a soft cover for 28. Looks like it's actually on sale now. It's normally 40. Anyway, it's 28 right now, but it, like I said, it, it looks cool and it's something I, I definitely kind of want to, uh, get some time with cause, cause I think it's cool. And like I said, that's called Alas Vegas. Okay. I think I've picked mine. Uh-huh. I am going with sort of an odd Okay. We shouted
0: out Prime by Cortex, and I'm actually going with Cortex. Okay. The more I listen to Prime by Cortex, the more I'm interested in this really cool modular, just their system is just so nice as a universal role-playing system that it's my game of the week because it's something that is new, it's something that's fresh, and it's just really... A really cool really smooth system and i like that it's it's very friendly to plug and play into other things i like that you could run it as a generic role-playing system mm-hmm. and you know we try to stay away from we, we usually talk about games that have distinct stories in game of the week but the fact of the matter is is that cortex is definitely something if you're if you're an advanced game master and you're looking for something that you can grab use to your just to just do anything cortex it's 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 a really great system it's it's i've played with other generic role-playing systems and i i definitely want to get cortex on the table because i have a couple ideas that would work perfectly and just full stories that there's not
1: published stuff regarding this but cortex now i i'm not calling this up on drive-thru did you find it on drive-thru or I did not. Cortex isn't
0: through drive through. They have a digital handbook that you can buy through their website, cortexrpg.com. As of right now, I don't believe there's a physical book coming. No, there, there definitely is a physical book out. I, I know people online that have it. Okay. I didn't know that. I did know that it was from the people that
1: created D&D Beyond. Yes. So I would expect digital tools that are very, very useful coming for this if they're not there yet. Right. And I would
0: say, granted, I haven't seen the PDF as of yet because I just haven't bought it. But I would say that purchasing that PDF will probably be a pretty awesome book to
1: have digital. Yeah, I think maybe at some point we get uh, JT or Kirby from Primed by Cortex on to talk about it. Maybe at some point we get JT or Kirby to come on and run maybe a couple
0: session or a one-shot thing. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Cortex, that's going to be my game of the week.
1: Cool. So with that, we've reached the end of the episode. Yes. Thank you for listening. We hope you, hope you enjoy what you hear. If you have comments or anything like that, please, you know, email us, hit us on Twitter at and RPGs this is the show's Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook at what's the exact Facebook thing again? Facebook is me and Steve RPG Podcast. Yeah, you know, we've got the email is is it me and Steve RPG at gmail.com. I know it's linked in the show notes. We've got a Discord. Be happy to have you come hang out and chat with us. Love to chat RPGs and just general fun stuff. So I mean, again, link for that in the show notes. Yeah, and I'll say it, we do try, maybe
0: not successfully sometimes, but we do try to have one-shots happening on the... One-shots
1: happening on the... on The uh, the Discord server? Yeah, that's it. So that's that's a good thing. You know, and as we get more people, those are only going to get easier to, to actually make happen, because that's... Yeah, we get people that are interested, but when you've got people from a whole, you know, all over the world, and country, whatever, schedules, yeah, there's five, six of you that want to play, but you can't ever make it the same place at the same time. So more of you means there's more to be able to get together. Absolutely. And we do want to thank you for listening and thank you for coming
0: out here. And we want to remind you to be kind to one another and play some RPGs. intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at meandsteveRPG at gmail.com you can also find us at facebook.com slash me and steve thank you and be kind to each other how much for the cigar cigar 20 bucks dog you gotta go down the street to the store and buy that